Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Tyson Johnston, who is the Executive Director of Self-Governance for the Quinault Indian Nation in Washington State, and he's also the Chairman of the Board of Toptana Technologies, a newly formed Indigenous-owned subsea cable company that aims to close that region's digital divide. We discuss the state of the digital divide for the Quinault people today, the main barriers to access, and how the Toptana project will help deliver the necessary connectivity for last mile broadband service. Tyson, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. It's nice to meet you, Nicole. It's really nice to meet you too. I'm very excited to get to talk with you today about this exciting project that you've got going on. Um, So... To get things started here, I was wondering if you could first give some background on the Quinault Indian Nation, um, a bit about the current population and the state of uh, broadband access and digital the digital divide in the region. Perfect. Well, um, just really quickly, I'm Tyson Johnston. I'm the self-governance executive director for the Quinault Indian Nation, and I'm also chairman of the board of Toptana Technologies. I am a tribal citizen here at the Quinault Tribe. Um, We are located in northwestern Washington state. We have around 3,800 tribal citizens that are enrolled with the tribe. A little over 2,000 live in our reservation base here in northwest Washington. We're right on the northwest coast, abutting the Pacific Ocean and the Olympic Peninsula. Um, These territories that we occupy have been um, with us since time immemorial. It's our sacred duty to steward and protect them and enhance them um, for the quality of life of our people and citizens. Um, The Quinault tribe, um, we're an ocean-going people. Um, We're also uh, a treaty tribe, so meaning that we have a a special relationship with the federal government that um, first was enacted with the signing of our treaty on July 1st, 1855. So our kind of federal existence and relationship actually precedes Washington statehood by about 20 or 30 years. So that's always something I love to remind our our awesome Washington (laughs) partners um, when we talk with them. (laughs) Absolutely. You got to use that cred. Right. And now that we're especially working on mutually beneficial issues, um, you know, the Quinault tribe, we're the largest employer in our county. Um, We are able to provide unique services and support to the region um, to supplement, you know, current things that don't exist in this very depressed area. Grace Harbor County is, you know, one of the poorest counties in the state. So the tribe and its economic vitality and social vitality and cultural vitality it brings to the region is really important. And so um, when we started, you know, even prior to the pandemic, uh, the Quinault tribe was aware of a very uh, deep digital divide that existed in our communities. Um we, you know, reach this point where we realize that, you know, from a, a governing perspective and from an economic perspective, a, you know, safety, healthcare, all of that, we need digital infrastructure to be able to maintain parity with um, services that exist off the reservation, as well as, you know, being resilient here um, on the reservation. And so mm-hmm. we spent significant time, um, probably 2000. 15, 16, 17, really investing in our technology infrastructure. Um, Tribes have actually become, as we've grown as organizations, have become very susceptible to cyber attacks. And so we kind of tipped our 
uh, dipped our toe in the water, for lack of a better term, to kind of expand our cybersecurity infrastructure there. And it was really with that work when we started to see, you know, like we're really lacking, you know, um, basic uh, connectivity to realize some of these uh, benefits that we need to protect our nation. And then fast forward a few years to when the pandemic hit and we had to take our whole workforce and allow them to telecommute almost overnight. Um, our public school systems, our tribal school systems had to move towards online education for that couple year leg. Um, it just became really apparent that we just don't have the infrastructure to properly support our communities. Um, even when we go through these, you know, pretty stressful pandemic times. Um, some of the work the tribe's done um, with its own investment is we've connected um, just off-reservation um, fiber that connects our schools and uh, government buildings to uh, better buried fiber access. Um, but even with that investment, you know, still around a third of our on-reservation population has no access to the internet. The tribe was able to engineer um, a microwave solution that gave us about 25% industry standard speeds. And we provide a free wireless signal to all of our community now. Um, just so they could have some form of, of better access. But even with that, you know, that's a, a very expensive, um, it's not a permanent fix. It's something we have to continue to maintain and invest in just to maintain that, you know, like I said, it's 25% in industry standard. And so um, yeah. as we've kind of, you know, worked through that, it's just become increasingly apparent that unless we are able to come up with, you know, a, a significant solution, like what we're doing here with TopTana Technologies and bringing new um, first mile and middle mile infrastructure to our region, um, we're never really going to see, you know, that kind of happen on its own. Um, rural America, tribal communities have um, very little population density that justifies, you know, private investment. And so, what the tribe will do with Toptana and bringing, you know, this new first and middle mile infrastructure here is to hopefully encourage that private investment and bringing uh, new industry in, into the region to support our needs. Um, a compounded factor that makes it really difficult for tribal nations and our land base in particular is um, tribal lands have a different legal jurisdiction, usually a mixed jurisdiction, you know, under the tribe's ownership federal um, authority and then spot zoned parts of the reservation that are owned by the county. So when you look at what we call Indian country and you look at the infrastructure that exists there, usually fiber infrastructure just stops just short of the reservation because it becomes this um, complicated jurisdictional zone, this no man's land. Uh, there's more difficult, more stringent environmental um, regulations in some instances. Yeah. And so even from an institutional standpoint, we're already struggling because we're rural but then dealing with these kind of added layers of extra complication it it just becomes really hard and so uh, being a self-governing tribe, you know, the the philosophy there under our movement for self-determination as tribes where we've kind of worked with the federal government to <clears throat> return our sovereign authority and our uh, legal jurisdiction to manage our own affairs without external interference. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot of success in being able to design our own programs and develop our own solutions. And we're applying that same kind of teaching and um, 
uh, governance model to what we're doing now within the uh, information sector, information services and technology sector, and um, are hoping to, you know, bring new innovation and tribal values to this really exciting space that uh, will not only benefit the tribe, but also our surrounding communities. Um, from yeah. Yeah, I, I could go on forever. Yeah, so. Well, I'm going to let you. <laughs> but I want to just interject for a second, because what I was actually going to ask you, like, you know, is it the case that connectivity on the reservation versus just outside is different? And you're, it sounds like what you're saying is is yes, because of the, the different way that that those regions are governed, um, which I find really, really interesting. And it accentuates the point that it's important to have self-govern uh, in tribal-run ISPs, right? Yes, and even starting to include tribes, like when we talk about like the um, terms like public-private partnership, mm-hmm. tribal nations and tribal governments should be included when we think of like a public entity that could be a partner within the yeah. private industry, and that's what we're you know trying to uh, you know effectuate that you know movement towards in the industry because um, we. You know, we're new to the technology space. There's a few other tribes that have technology companies in their own right, too. Um, nothing in the, you know, subsea industry like what we're pursuing. But right. you know, it's it's become apparent across all tribes that um, we really need to start engaging in this sector. And um, how do we best leverage kind of there's been historic, you know, public investment that's been in the news about you know, targeted towards native tribes in Indian country. But how do we best leverage those opportunities to kind of close that gap and really solve that, you know, what all of our goals should be, which is, you know, closing the digital divide and making sure we have equity for all of our communities, regardless of what zip code you live in. Absolutely. So let's talk about Toptana then. Um, you've you've given a little bit of information on it, but let's let me take take us back. Uh, give me some background on the formation of Toptana and who's all involved and how did this all come together and um, as as well as when is the groundbreaking. Perfect. So um, as we you know, like I talked about a little bit in our history when we kind of. Um, stuck our toe in the water, um, we learned more about, you know, just the requirements for infrastructure to even have um, broadband services and providers even locate out here. Um, Telecommunications have been a huge issue uh, for the tribe too. Um, We've invited decision makers out here and their cell phones literally um, disconnect because there's been nothing unless the tribe either works with a private partner or we self-fund some sort of option. And so, Um, Working through all that in uh, 2017 and 2018 is when we really started looking at the feasibility of like, well, if we can't get providers to come here and the tribe, um, you know, can't keep making these kind of piecemeal um, efforts, you know, what's the kind of like big picture institutional like issue? And that's when we were able to see, you know, there's no um, middle mile infrastructure that exists in this part of the region. Um, We got a call actually from uh, the governor of Washington at the time, or the current, he's actually still the governor, Um, but he, (laughs) but he, um, had been examining, you know, from uh, economic perspective, how come the subsea industry isn't, um, you know, entering Washington anymore? You've seen all that business go to Oregon and California. There's been no new cables landed on the Washington coast since the late 90s. So we're in 2024. So we're pushing, you know, 
almost a quarter of a century, um, approximately, without any kind of new infrastructure coming here. And so the Quinault, you know, we're, we're a unique tribe in that um, because we are a treaty tribe, um, we're on the coast, we are a party to this um, really famous uh, seminal lawsuit uh, in the Supreme Court called U.S. v. Washington. It's locally known as the Bolt decision. And what the Bolt decision did is it gave tribal nations that were a party to that um, returned sovereign jurisdiction over water and um, their usual within their usual and accustomed territory for fishing and water quality and, and access. And so where we're unique being on the ocean side of the state of Washington, we actually are one of only four tribes in the country that could say we have sovereign jurisdiction in the ocean itself. And so when we were researching, you know, and doing our due diligence on why subsea isn't coming here, a lot of that has to do with because um, Oregon and California have streamlined um, regulatory processes for industry to access so they can meet their timeline, which is really capital expensive like these are nearly billion dollar projects depending on the the length of of the cable because you're connecting you know different continents hundreds of miles hundreds and hundreds of miles and so um with a with the tribe you know being you know an element of this and having you know the jurisdiction over our treaty territory it's uh, off 30 miles offshore is what our what our jurisdiction is we have the ability to work on a higher government to government level to work through those kind of regulatory processes that make it difficult for the industry to come here and also i you know very proud that you know we we have very high management standards uh, we are a uh, being a fishing tribe and a treaty fishing people, um, you know, maintaining and protecting our environment is super ingrained in, in who we are because of um, those resources that we steward. And so um, we are very familiar with how to work through, um, you know, these, you know, very complicated processes and are able to, you know, not only advocate for our project, but make sure that we could be a model for how projects like this could be responsible and could be, um, uh, supplemental, benign, and even supportive to what our uh, environmental and climate change goals are that we're facing here in this region. And so <clears throat> after we, you know, went through our feasibility process in that era, you know, we just, we seen there's just a need for the infrastructure. So we formed a tribally charter company, Toptana Technologies, that I'm the chair, current chairman of the board for, whose mission is to serve the digitally underserved and, and underconnected. And um, what we're doing at Toptana is uh, locating a subsea cable landing station in Ocean Shores, Washington, um, the first time in over 20 years. Um, our first build out will include space for up to four cable landings um, to exist within our location in Ocean Shores. From there, we are um, developing and engineering a, a middle mile, 79 mile uh, route east-west from Ocean Shores to the I-5 corridor. And we just um, secured uh, a fiber route um, going north to Seattle, Washington and south toward Hillsborough, Oregon, so we can get the subsea customers where they want to go, which is the big data center campuses in Hillsboro, as well as the data centers in Seattle. And so opening up a whole new, you know, market, a uh, new route and redundancy for infrastructure that, you know, is really outpacing um, uh, the development is actually underpacing the, the need for it worldwide. Um, I think roughly on the Pacific coast side, you see around three to five cables 
come online annually and um, but with like the advent of different things like artificial intelligence um, you know even our refrigerators have um, uh, you know information technology attached to them nowadays there's yeah. this huge need across the globe to you know have um, you know redundant and connected resilient networks to connect continents so we can meet this kind of global demand that we're seeing and uh, bringing the Quinal Indian Nation in it and Toptana, you know, we want to be part of providing that solution. Um, Toptana itself is a, um, a variation on a Quinault word. It means, you know, beach or coastline. So um, that's where that comes from. Um, a lot of people ask, you know, why why Toptana? And it's actually tied to our, our traditional language and um, modeled after, um, you know, what our values are at the Quinault Indian Nation and um, providing a solution for us, but also, you know, a, a resource and uh, a business and economic opportunity um, for the region overall. Um, how do we get this, you know, after getting this infrastructure here, um, it supports like an, a whole new ecosystem in this, you know, really depressed region of the state. And, um, you know, we're hoping that as, as we continue with our development, it will allow other private industry and other sectors um, to maybe locate here and consider us as an option. And, supplement the region, you know, with new opportunities and new careers in these pretty exciting technology fields. Yeah, um, it's this is a super exciting project. I have a few uh, follow-up questions about the project specifically. Um, one is where you got funding for this, whether it's part of um, the NTIA's tribal broadband grants or if it's some other, some other federal program or if it's not uh, federally funded at all. Also wondering... Um, how, uh, well, actually the timeline for this and how you envision this project helping deliver last mile service where it's needed um, for the Quinault uh, Indian Nation. Perfect. So <clears throat> right now um, we were we were an applicant for the first round of NTIA, um, the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program. We weren't uh, awarded our request, um, but every tribe that applied was given an equity payment of 500000 And so we we were happy to receive that, even though, you know, the, <laughs> the capital uh, required for this is, you know, pretty high. And so um, right now, this project is completely self-funded. Quinault Indian Nation has made of all the investment um, privately up to this point. Um, and where we've really ran into issues um, in accessing, you know, these uh, public opportunities is because uh, sub-C and this industry is it's part of IT, it's part of broadband, but it's still very specialized. Um, we've had a hard time actually accessing any, any of those dollars and actually... Okay. In the second round of the TBCP, in their regulations, it actually doesn't allow for dark fiber development or um, uh, bringing connectivity or last mile connectivity to uh -huh. an area where there's like a wireless provider. I, I don't have the language off the top of my head, so right. we're still what about, I'm oh, sorry, what about the middle mile program? Was that... Um... We applied for that too, and we weren't funded. Um, okay, I'm, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic because I think we're we've had a, a lot of learning opportunities, and this investment, you know, from Congress and the Biden administration is, is historic, and it's um, definitely providing resources to a lot of unserved areas. But I think, you know, the the funding amount, you know, doesn't fully meet the needs that are required either. Um, I think it's around. Uh, 
three billion that will be paid out on the just the tribal piece. Um, this is separate from the the bead program. Um, but there was probably around six billion in, in applications um, submitted. Yeah. So it's it's been pretty competitive, and you know, and then to you know have these regulations that have made our uh, project not uh, deemed eligible has been um, you know hard. But I'm hoping like as we continue to move forward, um, there will be opportunities in the future we could pursue. Um, there's other programs in the USDA that we'll be looking at. Um, Washington, you know, was given, you know, a pretty significant apportionment of their of the bead program. And so we're going to see, um, you know, what element of bead might make sense for the Quinault Nation. Um, but but right now, the, the project overall, you know, outside of doing the first mile build out to the cable landing station and then from the middle mile network from the CLS to the um, data center campuses, the last phase of it is having a um, a build out from our middle mile network that would bring um, a route up to the reservation so we could get fiber to the home to our uh, big population centers. We have a couple villages on the reservations and a community near our lake that we will um, we have built out or um, done plans for a uh, last mile build out for fiber to the home because that's really what the end goal is like we want to have community infrastructure here that you'd have anywhere else and um we've modeled in you know kind of our strategic plan over this time um getting to that kind of last mile build out and getting fiber to the home right now <clears throat> like i said these projects are um well there's a lot of regulatory processes that you work through so it's 2024 which is crazy to <laughs> crazy to say but um uh, but even with that you know we're we've been pretty aggressive and moving forward you know with our development so we're looking at you know the third or fourth quarter of probably two years from now is what i would say would be kind of a safe uh wiggle room for us to work through but you know barring some you know issue working through you know a regulatory matter um that's uh <clears throat> what our current projected um timeline is and then okay. from there would be when we would construct um our last mile build out to get fiber connectivity to the home and look at how we could bring this uh, to our communities and our school districts and other things that we need here that are critical or mission critical institutions for the government here Okay, so that might be where you guys can get some bead funding potentially. Do you is that where you're, how you're looking at this? Exactly. So uh, the I think Washington is going to be releasing guidance on you know how bead will work this year, um, probably mm -hmm. the later part of this year, from how I understand it. And so we are you know we'll be working really closely with them to uh, make sure that. Um, you know, we are included in those timelines. Washington's really good at partnering um, with tribes on, on issues like these. And so um, we've been already part of some pretty active uh, governance uh, conversations with them and consultations with them to see how um, the bead program could best benefit Indian country and Indian tribes here in Washington. Excellent. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to keeping up with uh, how this is all progressing over there. Um, wondering though about affordability, um, you know, the affordable connectivity program is a big topic at the moment because it might be running out of funding. Is that program important to um, the people in your community? Do you think it's, are you worried about how uh, broadband might be affordable if that program goes away or how, how are you guys addressing the affordability challenge over there? 
Yeah, right now, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this when I talked about it earlier, but our community broadband project, we offer that to our community free of charge now. And okay. so Great. we everybody here is connected to a free wireless signal. Um, we foresee having um, a version of that when we even get fiber to the home here, just because um, Indian reservations like ours are super impoverished and we want to be really really mindful of how can we provide access, stimulate our economy, but also not, you know, put barriers in place that will prevent folks from accessing um, the services we want to provide. Um, uh, but yeah, the, um, I, I forgot the name of the program you mentioned, the, um, can you remind the affordable me? Connect, the Affordable Connectivity Program, the ACP. So the ACP yeah. is also something we've been following closely. Um, a, a lot of our tribal citizens, um, uh, benefit from that program now. So um, we are, as a tribe, will always advocate for the continued advancement of programs like that um, until we really have, you know, better equity um, in our different systems so everyone could have, um, you know, equal access. Um, but yeah, not having that move forward will be, you know, another barrier that um, folks that you know, in poverty will have to work through. But um, but right now, the tribe's goal is to provide that for free to our community and, um it's been, you know, successful in that sense. Um, yeah, you know, well, that's excellent. Yeah, getting, you know, we have college kids that are able to do their classes. Um, it supports our school districts and, you know, the needs they need. Um, you know, we, you know, from a healthcare perspective too, um, you know, Native people have some of the poorest health outcomes of any other, of any population. And so we're really excited to get infrastructure like this here so we can, you know, explore telehealth opportunities and other kind of creative solutions and workarounds we can have here to kind of provide more diverse services that better suit our needs because it's really hard to get providers and um, yeah. folks in the technical fields um, into places like this just because of our rural location and ability to compete with the rest of the market and industry at large. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to that point, and I'll, one final question, then I'll let you go. Um, that's a hurdle. What other hurdles are you facing in the lead up to launching this project? I know a lot of people are concerned about workforce. Um, supply is still a concern. Um, where where are you guys at with, with hurdles? Yeah, I mean, outside of the regulatory hurdles, um, what the point you brought up is, is very well taken. Um, after the pandemic, I think we saw Across the in all industries, there's been just a, a 40% increase in labor and goods and services for construction. Um, and then in tech, you know, this is, you know, super compounded because um, some of the uh, the subsea providers and the cable, the, the actual cables themselves are very specialized and have to meet national and international standards. And there's only so many shops on the whole planet Earth that, that meet that. And so... Um, all those, you know, kind of costs have, you know, seemed to gone up. So we'll be, you know, working really, you know, carefully to secure the talent we need to um, continue our build out and to meet our targets. Um, public education too is also, you know, important. You know, our my tribe has limited resources and um, we have a lot of issues and a lot of other priorities that we have to face. Um, yeah. I mentioned climate change a little bit. Um, we're actually um, moving towards a really um, uh, complicated village relocation process right now because sea level rise, um, violent weather, and just 
what we're seeing in the environment here. And so we have our whole communities that we're trying to get out of the tsunami inundation zone and into um, uh, better located neighborhoods and all of that. And so there's just there's a lot of issues like that that we're also kind of abutting against. But again, you know, having this infrastructure from an economic perspective, a utility perspective, um, and a community development perspective, you know, can enhance those things. But yeah, it's important yeah. to, you know, continue to, you know, talk about what the digital divide is and educate folks both locally and regionally, you know, what, what we're trying to accomplish. It's not, we're not doing this just for a, a business opportunity. It's really like for, from that higher level, like community development and quality of life perspective, like how do we bring um, resources to this region so we could be, you know, participating in in the economy in an equitable way, um, have better health care, better access to education opportunities. And even from a like an emergency management perspective, like how do we have better infrastructure to uh, give our first responders and emergency management providers um, the most access. So that's that's the perspective and what's the, you know, the driver underneath this all um, to bring Toptana online and provide uh, and then be a new, um, you know, solution provider to a really critical industry. Yeah. Um, and just for my own clarification, you guys have broken ground or, or not yet? We have, um, we've, okay. uh, we have our cable landing station um, spot in Ocean Shores that has been, you know, cleared and, and broken ground on. We have, um, are at the last step with our North-South network having that it's been constructed. It's just we're going through the last phase to have that fully signed over to Toptana. And then the uh, east-west network is currently um, being engineered. So okay. all of those kind of – it's like three elements, and they're all moving along really nicely. And um, just looking forward to keep chugging along in 2024 to get across the finish line. All right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to doing that. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me about this exciting project. And I hope you'll come back uh, later on in the year, next year, and tell us how how much progress you've made. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of us. And I would love an opportunity in the future to let you know about our progress and really appreciate um, the work that you're doing to kind of point a flashlight on the digital divide and the unique challenges we face all over the country, but even you know, in Indian countries and tribes in particular. So thank you for the providing us this space. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Tyson, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.